Hey everyone, Anthony Fantano here, internet's busiest music nerd, you know who it is. And it's time for a, another episode of the Needle Drop Podcast, where we interview artists and content creators from across the internet and the globe. And in this episode, we're having a discussion with Mr. Miles Claret. He is the founder of Soundway Records, one of the most interesting and eclectic record labels out there on the market at this very moment. They specialize in music that is really outside of the purview of the West, dipping into records and uh, artists and compilations from Ghana, Nigeria, Panama, Colombia, and many more. Uh, you can check out the many compilations and original album releases that they have put out lately that feature rock and funk and psych rock and soul music, even high life music from across the world. And uh, we're basically going to be talking in this podcast about the history of the label, uh, the latest releases, the older releases, what exactly, what, uh, what exactly makes Soundway Records tick. So Miles, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, it's good to be here, Anthony. Um, so give me a bit of a rundown exactly how the record label began and you know what was essentially the inspiration behind trying to bring all of this music from other countries to a more Western audience. Sure, yeah. Well, I, I started, I guess, from just the, the need and the want to find obscure records to to put into DJ sets and uh, and mixes that I was making when I was um, something I've been doing since 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 I was about fourteen years old, I guess. So mm. I always used to look in the the obscure bins, the international bins, the world music bins at record fairs, trying to find uh, records that were under the radar, not necessarily things that other people were looking for. Um, as well as kind of obscurities within you know genres like electronic music and psychedelic rock music and and just sort of kind of join the dots between different musical cultures. Um, I started going to West Africa and that's how that at that point is where the, the, the label was born. I spent time in Ghana especially and also in Nigeria looking for uh, the records that didn't really kind of fit into the established genres that people uh, kind of expected from those countries and records that bands from there were were kind of making that were a sort of a fusion of different styles. Uh, so trying to find records that would surprise people or or, or just sort of blow people's minds and, uh, and think, what, really, that came from there? Um, and then that idea, that blueprint was sort of transformed into other countries and we've ended up doing compilations and reissues from East Africa, West Africa, Asia, South America, Car the Caribbean. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's how it started, really. And, I mean, a lot of the early compilations on the label, uh, you're really kind of pulling back, decades back, into some of the musical histories of these countries and you stumble across these records when you're visiting them. But you know, what exactly is the process of trying to ready this music for commercial sale in the West on the Soundway label? I mean, I imagine some of these bands uh, whose music you're kind of reissuing on these compilations uh, aren't even around anymore. You know, <laughs> how, how exactly are you getting a hold of, uh, some of these artists who uh, sure. who have made this music. Well, it's a, it's a long and laborious process. Um, it, it usually starts by, um, well, it, it always starts by first of all trying to find the music. So, hmm. trying to find as many records from if we're doing a compilation that reflects a country or or, or sometimes a label or or a specific kind of uh, period in time, then 
the first thing is just to try and amass as many of those records or listen to as many of those records from that time or that place as possible. And that that's always the hardest thing um, because it's amazing, especially when you're looking for the more obscure records, the records that weren't necessarily commercial hits because quite often these were found, these were pressed in tiny numbers like a couple of hundred or uh, or a thousand. And um, so, yeah, these... That, that's the first thing, trying to find the music. Then you have to try and find the artists or the copyright holders. Um, and yeah, that, that is also an incredibly hard thing to do. But um, most of the time, you'll always find, you'll always find the guys that were, were making the music. The hardest thing is to find the records. And even after 15 years of looking for certain records, they, they still haven't surfaced. So um, yeah, it's 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 just a piece by piece kind of bit of detective work, really. It's it's finding the music, finding a clean copy of the music, the tape, if possible. If that doesn't exist, a clean record. Then the the people that <laughs> then the finding out who owns the copyright. Sometimes there are disputes amongst the the artists about you know if you have a band of six guys. Who wrote the record? There's no information on the label. They didn't put that on every label or every cover. <laughs> in, in some in some instances, and sometimes people will will squabble. You'll find one guy who's on vocals who claims he wrote the song, and then the dude who who played the guitar claims he wrote the song. And hmm. uh, a, a lot of the time, it's very easy and straightforward, and a lot easier than a lot of people uh, expect. Um, you know, most people. Uh, Ninety percent of people are just happy you want to do it, and they're uh, and they're cool with it. Um, sometimes it's a bit more complicated, but yeah, it's just a you know it's detective work, and it's it's laborious and slow, and um, yeah, uh, it can be tedious at times. Go into the discovery process a little bit more when you're trying to find music to release on the label. I mean. You know, where exactly are you finding these records? Is it sort of in a dusty old record store like you would over here? Or is there something more to it than that? Well, things have changed a lot in 15 years. I mean, when I started the label nearly 15 years ago, there were still a lot of record stores around in some of these countries. And there were still there was still a direct link to the 70s and the 80s. There were there were guys who produced music who who still were actively sort of kind of, you know, their catalogs were still active in some way. And in 15 years, a lot has changed. Um, a lot of stores have shut down. A lot of guys selling records aren't selling records anymore. A lot of record dealers from the, from Western countries have gone and just bought the whole, the whole, the whole lot, lock, stock and barrel up and are selling, selling them on eBay. The price of records has gone through the roof. Um, a lot of the guys from that era have got a lot older and have stopped and um, some of them have passed away. So um, it, it has changed a lot. About 15 years ago and ten, even 10, 7, 8 years ago, like it was a lot easier to find records. And like you say, in dusty record stores, in market stalls, um, asking taxi drivers if they know any guys with records in their house and you'd sort of go to one house and you say, oh no, I just threw them out or they're in a lockup on the other side of town and you're back mm. in the car and, um, you know, in some cities like Lagos in Nigeria, it's like it's three and a half hours in a car in traffic to get from one side of town to the other. So you're a lot of the time is just spent, you know, physically uh, in cars and buses and, 
just traveling from one place to another and knocking on doors and um, yeah, just getting coming, questioning people about where so and so is. Have you seen that guy? I haven't seen him for fifteen years. Oh, I think he lives in that town. Go there. You know, it's again, it's it's just laborious kind of piece by piece uh, picking and 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 piecing the piecing the puzzle together. Um, so yeah, it's uh, but it, it, it's incredibly uh, it's incredibly. Um, um, what's the word? Uh, <laughs> it's incredibly uh, my jet lag's kicking in. Uh, it's a uh, it's a good feeling when you know when you when you get to the end of some of these uh, wild goose chases and and the guy is there and and up for what you're looking for and has the, has the recordings or the records or the tapes and is mm. is, is 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 down with what you're doing. So yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like you're continually on this, uh, like you said, wild goose chase. It's a uh, scavenger hunt. Yeah, you know, it's but, kind of a musical anthropology exercise in a but, way. But, also, like I say, I mean, you know, 15 years ago, a lot of the guys that I was dealing with in some of these countries didn't have an email address or, or, or didn't have a cell phone. And you forget mm. how, how quick this process of everyone being online all over the world has, has changed things. You know, like these days, at the moment, we're doing a compilation. Um, we're doing a compilation of uh, a second compilation from Kenya, volume two of our Kenya special compilation that's coming out later this year. And, you know, a lot of those guys are, are much easier to contact now. You know, everyone in the world is on is on some kind of electronic communication device, you know, whereas 15 years ago, that was not the case. It's incredible how, how much easier these things have become and also how much more information there is about music. Just the sheer volume of human endeavor that's gone into cataloging music from all over the world that's suddenly up on the internet it's it's again you you forget how in the dark we were about certain recording industries and and uh, and bands and and music from around the world only 15 years ago some of these records would show up in record fairs in new york or paris or or, or london a long way from the countries that they uh uh, initially started in and, and, and they just be these little kind of snippets of, of wild exotic information just sitting there with no story or, or, or link to where they came from and who the band was and now so many people have worked so hard to try and piece together all these different scenes and recording um, catalogues and, and, and stories and so it is a lot easier these days there's a, there's a lot more to go on is it fair to say that technology in some of these countries that you you know have been bringing music back from Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana, Panama uh, has kind of revolutionized the music listening and the music consumption process over there as it has over here? Yeah, to some to some extent, um, I think you know it's country by country. There's different different stories, but. Yeah, I think, you know, there's much more of a, uh, especially with younger generations, I think that's something that's changed quite recently. There's been a much, there's been a bigger interest in younger generations in the, in the kind of musical heritage of, of certain countries. Like I've just been in Indonesia researching a compilation there and, um, you know, there's now a whole generation of guys in their 
20s and 30s who are really interested in the music of the 1950s and 60s and 70s. And um, that just wasn't quite the case like 10 years ago. Most of the people that were listening to that music were the people who were living, who had lived it the first time around. And young guys just weren't that interested. It was like their dad's music or their uncle's music or, sure. or, or whatever. And so, yeah, it, it has changed in a lot of places. Like... Um, uh, one of the guys helping us out with uh, the research and licensing on the Kenya uh, on the Kenya Special Volume Two record is saying that now in Nairobi there's a you know there's a vinyl um, record club that's quite often you know mostly attended by by guys who who weren't around in the 70s or even the 80s you know um, so yeah there's been there's definitely been um, through technology like you say online through blogs through um, this kind of international communication that's come about in the last 10, 15 years, a, a much more invigorated discussion about old music and, and musical heritage and, and how that can influence modern music as well. Um, but simultaneously, a- you know, you also describe this time where the record stores themselves aren't doing too well. You know, is the imp- is the internet kind of having a negative impact on on the record stores or is it just kind of the aging process and just kind of people not being able to keep it up like they used to that that are kind of uh, making some of these, you know, bundles of records that were once in stores, uh, you know, a little harder to find because they're kind of fractured now and all over the place. Well, it's, uh, you know, sadly, I guess it's to do with price a lot of that as well. You know, old the price of old records of every genre, especially rare old records, it doesn't matter which country they're from, whether they're from the USA or England or Kenya or Thailand or wherever, has gone through the roof in the last, mm. you know, it's become, they've become... Uh, you know, almost like artifacts rather than rather than just music. You know, it used to be a sta- sure. it used to be a standard price for an LP or a cassette or a CD, and that's changed a lot in the last ten, fifteen years as people have started to more and more people have started to collect things, and um, and the price goes up. So, yeah, that that's kind of been a sad thing because like old music is in a lot of places sort of unaffordable unless it's sort of you know the rich middle classes or um, or, 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 or international collectors, and um, this, I suppose the flip side of that is that you know not everybody needs to own the thing. You know, the music is out there, and that's kind of what I hope to do with our stuff is just to make it available. It's whether that's on a streaming platform, or if you want to download it from, you know, all the all the all the. Uh, the digital stores out there, or if you want to own the reissue on the vi- on vinyl and pay a little bit more and stick it on the shelf. So you know, there's a, there's a variety of different ways to to hear the music, and hopefully that um, you know, even people that download it for nothing and don't pay anything, you know, at least some of these guys uh, are hearing it, and a lot of the time they're musicians who are incorporating those ideas into new music, and uh, you know, hey, if they can't afford it, they can't afford it, you know. Um, hmm. The, the most important thing is that music uh, continues to that the whole story of the music of music evolving and uh, and fertilizing other different areas around the world um, is the most important thing to me and I think if you know if you speak to a lot of musicians hey they don't like to get to, to, to lose money they don't like it that their royalty checks are going down because people aren't buying music but if you really get to the 
the bottom of things with most musicians and, and ask what it is they're in this for. It's to it's to get their music out there. It's for people to hear it. It's to express themselves. So, you know, as long as that's happening, then um, it's a good thing. Um, there are a couple things I want to go off of uh, off of what you just said. So, one of them is more of a uh, a tunnel that we're going to have to go down, you know, in the midst of this interview. But the first question I want to ask you, and this is just kind of a quick aside, yeah. uh, just reflecting off of everything you just said, you know, there's certainly a, 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 a widespread conversation going on now amongst uh, music writers and music fans, uh, you know, especially when it deals with music in the West, uh, this whole idea of... Um, cultural appropriation and just that being a very negative thing. And, yeah. you know, you're here kind of openly discussing uh, the idea of this, but you're kind of talking about it on this international level. And, uh, you know, w w what's your opinion basically of, you know, kind of painting this idea of a Western musician directly taking influence from, you know, one of these obscure gems that you've unearthed from uh, Ghana, for example, and sort of incorporating that directly into their music, you know, is that essentially this really horrible cultural appropriation well, <laughs> thing, know. you know, where, where you're kind of stealing in a way? Well, I don't know. I mean, you, you know, we could have a we could have an hours long conversation about cultural appropriation. And it's obviously sure. a very thorny issue for certain in certain ways. I mean, it works both ways, though, like, you know, do you say that a band who who wanted to do Beatles covers or was influenced by Elvis Presley, who happened to come from Indonesia or Nigeria, was is also culturally appropriating something? Is that band too? Is that is that not uh, is that not allowed? Is Cuban music that uh, made it back to Senegal in the sixties and seventies is that cultural appropriation? I mean, you know, it's more obvious and and more apparent when it's the West you know, the Western band ripping off or, or incorporating um, elements of, uh, of music from, from countries that have often been, you know, subjugated or colonialized by, by Western countries. And so it's still a prickly a subject. You know, it's, I think there's ways to do it. I think, you know, sometimes there are cheesy, corny ways of doing it. And you're like, oh, that, that's, you know, that's not cool. Um, and then there are subtle ways to do it. And, you know, we live in 2016. You know, I, I do believe this, com this conversation is one that's going to be more and more and more watered down as, as we evolve and move around and, and culturally mix with each other. And... Mm that happens in different at different rates in different places you know places like yeah. places like london or new york it's it's you know it's it's almost the norm that that's what happens you know we have bands mm -hmm. on our label that are based here in london that literally every different band member is from a different country of the world um, and they're based here doing their thing and they're soaking up all the different influences of the places and the cultures of the strands of their lives from which they come uh, in a place that's inhabited by people from all over the world, and so, like I say, that's just going to become the norm all over the all, all over the planet. And um, I think eventually it it it, it can be a positive thing. Um, you know, there's always going to be 
there's always going to be some haters out there and people that get across uh, with it. And I, like I say, I can understand it when it's done in a crass way. Um, but I do think that, you know, music mixing and fusing has, has, has always happened. It's the story of, of, of modern music. Show me a kind of music that, that, is, that is culturally, especially modern music, that is culturally kind of independent of everything else, you know. Sure, that, kind that, of culturally that, isolated in yeah, some kind of way. It yeah. doesn't exist, you know. We're human yeah. beings. We've always, we've always talked to each other culturally and we've always exchanged ideas, language, um, you know, you name it. Uh, that's not going to stop. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, I mean, I fully agree with you, you know, that, I mean, there's so many, uh, it's, it just seems like such a, uh, one dimensional way to kind of paint, uh, the whole idea of, uh, of cultures kind of influencing one another to make certain kinds of art. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because while there are, you know, Western acts over here that take, uh, quite a bit of influence from foreign styles of music, uh, I'm sure that, you know, you've seen firsthand, uh, the incredible amount of influence that American music, that British music has, uh, on countries all over the world. Yeah, and, you know, American music and British music in its own way was influenced. I mean, you know, the whole kind of, you know, the whole kind of explosion of British bands in the 60s, those bands in their, in their own way were taking black American music and reinventing it. And then that oh, black sure. American music was coming from, where was it coming from? It was coming from New Orleans or West Africa or the Caribbean. And, uh, you know, this is a story that you can keep tracing this back and back and back. It, it just, it doesn't stop. You know, it's, it's, again, I've, I've been, I've been researching this compilation from Indonesia. It's a fascinating place. It soaks, it, it's been a place that soaked up different cultures for, for millennia. You know, there's an Arabic influence through religion and trade. There's an Indian influence through, uh, like, Bollywood films that came in the 50s. There's a, a Cuban influence through the Cuban records that were allowed by the communist country to be to be there when they were trying to suppress rock and roll. And then there's the rock mm. and roll influence that they were trying to suppress but couldn't because when you try and repress something, what do the kids want to do? They want to listen to it more. So, you know, there's all these different threads and it, it's... It's ever been thus, you know. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a uh, uh, to to sort of just paint it in that one single way, uh, you know, sort of Western musicians and artists kind of stealing from other places. It sort of discounts all the other ways that music can influence other cultures across the world. Um, you know, just like specifically in, uh, uh, like you were just saying in Indonesia, which is a pretty, uh, <laughs> which is actually a story I'm sure that we could do an entire podcast on if need yeah. be, Yeah. <laughs> because exactly. I mean, that, that sounds pretty crazy. All of those different kind of, uh, uh, bits of, uh, art and culture were kind of culminating, uh, uh, in that one country in those, in those particular ways. Well, you know, one thing that's always, inf- always interesting to me is just how, and it, how many of the the music scenes that we've um, that we've concentrated on or looked at have been port port towns, like you mm-hmm. know towns that, if you think about it, like you know the big some of the big centers of music in Africa or the Caribbean or Latin America or Asia 
a port town. This is, this is how music travels. Sure, absolutely. Travels. All, the, all the travel, all the shipping. Yeah, the sailors coming off ships. They come into town. They want a good time. They go to the hotel, the club. That's where the musicians come. The musicians are doing the same routes. And, 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 the, and that's how the songs and the rhythms and the arrangements travel. And the music and the, and the instruments quite often as well. You know, you have yeah. waves of different instruments, instruments from, you know, kind of Spanish guitars through to... Uh, stringed instruments and then brass instruments in the jazz age and then electrified guitars in the in the late 50s and 60s and then uh, guitar amps in the 70s and then the 80s synthesizers and keyboards you know and and that's how music is is, is spread those channels you know and it's amazing you know from Havana to New Orleans to Lagos to Accra to Port of Spain to Panama City to um, you know Bombay you know the, these are port towns. This is how the music travels. Hmm. All right. The, the other road that I want to go down now uh, that we're kind of stepping away from that cultural appropriation thing, that question has been kind of explored as far as I'd like to, um, yeah. is once you have found the music, you know, you've got uh, uh, everything squared away to release it. Um, and, and you know what the compilation is going to be, you know what the collection of songs is going to be. What exactly is the, the, the dissemination process after that? You know, who is the intended audience for this music and how exactly are you sort of reaching out to them? You know, because, uh, uh, I guess the, the next hurdle to kind of get over is, is not just putting out the music, but actually kind of convincing, uh, an audience of people to give something a try that they didn't even know existed in the first place? Um, well, I think quite plainly and simply from my point of view, if it's, if, it's, if it's me compiling something and if I'm working with other compilers, it's just a case of um, boiling down the quite often thousands, hundreds and thousands of records into 20 or 30 that st just stand out. And, and, and quite mm. often records that appeal... Not just to, you know, I, if I make a compilation of music from Panama, I'm not just trying to, uh, to appeal to a Panamanian audience. Like, and if a Panamanian guy was to put that record together, would probably choose records that were slightly different because there would be, there would be more of a, you know, an, an, an insider's opinion on what should, what should be sure. in that condensed sort of collection. So, it's it's really nothing more sort of complicated than right. What are the best tracks? And if it's uh, these days, quite often I'm compiling with two or three other people, and it's just a case of sending lots and lots of files between each other and going, mm, no, I don't think that one. And if and just boiling it down. Quite often it's to do with um, production qualities um, or just you know something that just like is so completely outside of the the usual boundaries generic boundaries like a record will come along and everyone will be like wow where did that one come from how how did listen to the way they recorded the guitar on that or the, listen to how they recorded the keyboards on that like where did that come from mm. um Sometimes the obscurity, but the obscurity never trumps musical quality. Um, so yeah, and, and and it's trying to also within 
you know, like I, the, this Kenyan compilation they were putting together, you know, Kenya is a, is a country with many different musical cultures and, and tribal linguistic boundaries within that country. And then it has um, countries around it, bands from countries around it that came into Kenya to, to work within the music industry and uh, live within Kenya. So you have Tanzanian bands and Congolese bands also working within Kenya. So you have like in that country like 10 or 20 very distinct musical cultures and so you're trying to represent them all in a in one or two compilations and but trying to pick music that sits together well that so you, there's a story a narrative between how these tracks uh have influenced each other and how the different languages and and tribal areas and and cultural areas have have, uh, have influenced each other and yeah at the end of the day just the best piece pieces of music as well hmm. uh you know but once that's all kind of assembled um how exactly you know are you guys uh, eliciting a reaction from the audiences that you're looking to uh reach though you know because i guess in from my point of view and this this isn't the case for me personally, because I do enjoy a lot of records off of your, uh, your discography, you know, but when trying to say, Hey, you know, you got to check this out. I sort of, you know, run into this issue where, uh, it seems like a lot of the time people associate with music, um, it, on a cultural level where they enjoy music that sort of feels familiar to them, you know, uh, not only in terms of stuff that they've heard before, but, um, I guess, I guess a song or, a or an artist that they identify with in a way, you know, it's like, Oh, this artist or this music is from where I'm from, you know, and, uh, and trying out music from another country can feel so alien to some people, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and, and, hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I guess to a certain degree you just have to leave to the audience, you know. Some things some things can be too out there for certain people, you know, um, or too far away from their comfort zone, I guess. Um, you know, when we first put the compilations together from Thailand, um, you know, we had a lot of fans uh, of, the, of the West African compilations. I, I remember that comp. That was really a change of pace for you guys. Yeah, and, you know, some of the compilations from, from South America as well. You know, we had fans who had come from that whole kind of jazz, funk, hip-hop um, sort of experience, I suppose. A lot of people who had sort of grown up in the, you know, sort of early 90s hip-hop scene who had been into rare groove, jazz, funk as well, and that kind mm -hmm. of whole, that kind of culture, who'd been yeah. totally on board with the West African stuff because, it, you know, it, it's it's close in a way. It's... It's, you know, it's got sort of funk elements, jazz elements, the arrangements are, uh, are quite um, jazz. There's something familiar about yeah, it. Yeah, there's and something who familiar. Are, and then yeah. with the Thai stuff, it's like, whoa, this is this is different. And like, you know, I'm not sure if I can get down with those vocals. They're too, they're too kind of um, alien to me. Um, so, yeah, you know, you, you, you kind of, it's down to the audience. Some people got them and some people didn't. And then actually a lot of hip-hop producers were really into those records. In fact, there's a sample from one of those um, uh, Thai compilations. Well, there's a couple of samples, but um, like Dre sampled uh, one of those tracks on his last album. Really? Um, yeah. Um, and there's... Uh, 
there's an Argentinian hip-hop band that I've just sampled one of them. Um, uh, the guy from, um, what was that project? Not the Black Seeds. It's the guy from the Black Seeds, the, the one with the, the uh, what's the record called? Um, um, <laughs> can't remember the name of the record now. It's, uh, came out last year. It was... Um, What's he called? Dan Auerbach. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, from the, the Black Keys. Yeah. What's the What's the record he put out last year? Um, under a different guys. Anyway. Oh, they, w- w- yeah. Was it like his solo band that he just dropped a record with? Yeah. Anyway, they sampled. Uh, they sampled the the um, uh, a track from the tie the tie compilation as well. So mm-hmm. you know, even at first when we didn't. You know, we when we put those compilations out, and I was I worked with a Thai guy from Bangkok who um, who who was um, helping us on that, and he has a record store and a record label out and a band out of Bangkok. We weren't sure who that who the audience would be. You know, there was a there was a little scene of kind of uh, of guys in Bangkok, and and uh, Chris Menace, who's a co-compiler, had had been putting on these sort of events where he played Asian music in London. But yeah, so you you take a kind of leap of faith, thinking, well, I think this music is is good and 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 deserves uh, a platform internationally to be heard. And you know, after that, it's down to the audience as to how far they want to go with different kinds of music, I guess. And I, I do believe that people are way more receptive and open-minded musically all across the world. I think you know, especially younger generations these days, compared to when I was. A teenager in the you know in the in the late eighties, early nineties. I think the the generations these days are much more musically uh, evolved and and um, and mature in a way that we, we kind of weren't, and and, and the boundaries are, are much more blurred. Yeah, most certainly with the internet, you know. I yeah. mean, with the ability to just kind of listen to anything at the tip of your fingers uh, yeah. on the internet. There doesn't necessarily need to be a cultural in or an no. appeal to actually get you to try a song out, you know, if it's just clickable like any other song on the internet. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, do you like it? Yeah, <laughs> that's the sure. thing. Like, and that's the thing. A lot of these, uh, again, a lot of the countries we go to, you'll find people that can sing and recite whole songs in in a different language to the one that they were brought up speaking, but mm. also, but a language that happens to come from the same country in which they were born. But because these tracks are hits within their country, because they're, they're kind of multicultural countries, countries like Indonesia and Kenya and, uh, and Nigeria have multiple different language groups. And so you have a hit that people will know, even though that they don't understand the lyrics. And, you know, we find that in the West kind of, you know a bit a, a bit unusual especially the anglophone west like the us or the uk where we're so Absolutely. Um, we're so kind of you know the, the music we hear in, on a, on a day-to-day basis is all in english but um, we well, well with, with the exception of gangnam style yeah exactly yeah well you know the, the world's biggest in brackets world music hit you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's moments like that that actually makes me think like, wow, you know, like if, if somebody were, you know, the 
it's moments like that that makes me think there is certainly potential for a foreign artist to make a hit over here. That isn't necessarily a novelty song, you know? No, no, exactly. And, you know, if you talk to people in France, they laugh at us because, you know, French people have, uh, and other European countries as well, like they have amazing radio stations that play, you know, they're much more used to it. You know, they they have this kind of multilingual kind of way of listening to music. Um... That, that we don't have in the UK and the US, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, it's just a different way of listening to music. Sure. No, absolutely. Um, so what is next sort of on the docket in terms of countries that you're looking to uh, visit again to sort of, you know, dig up more musical experience, uh, musical obscurities and, um, you know, are, are they countries that you visited before uh, when looking for music for the record label? And, uh, you know, if so, what kind of keeps you going back to some of these well, places? Well, the label these days has sort of two sides to it. So we mm. we, we are still doing compilations of music from, from generations past. Mm. Um, but we also have the contemporary side of things where we're putting out yeah i wanted to ask you about that too a little bit later some of the some of the newer artists that you guys are working with so so you know that that's one kind of uh difference between the label but at the moment we're just putting together um uh, like i said the second compilation of kenyan uh of kenya special um i'm going back to nigeria with a compilation of kind of disco and boogie from the 80s um So that's a country that I've spent a lot of time in historically. I haven't been to for a while, but I work with a, um, a Nigerian researcher, blogger, DJ, music lover called Uchenna Ikone, who is based up in uh, Massachusetts, um, but of Nigerian heritage. So he's helping on that side of things. Um, like I said, I've been spending quite a lot of time in Indonesia working on this compilation of, mu- of music from the late 1950s and early 60s. Um, so I don't know. I get you know, I go where where things take me. It's as the label has got has got bigger. It's and has more day to day stuff to run as i've got older i've got children now it becomes a little harder to travel and so we kind of have a sort of a a, a range of different people involved in the label these days as well like so you know in the early days of soundway quite often the compilations were just kind of me and me alone and it was like a sort of hobby thing and a small label that i ran from home and these days there's much more there are many more people involved and people pitch us compilations and and they, they take years, some of these compilations. I mean, you know, some of them take three, four years. You know, somebody might come with an idea and go, oh, I'm working on that. And, I, I, you know, I've got this idea for this compilation from here. But, you know, how do we do it? And it, it, it's a long, painstaking process sometimes. Like, there's a couple of compilations I'm working on now that, um, you know, we've only just started. And, and also, there's... <laughs> There's, there's a lot more competition these days as well. You know, it's it's become easier to sort of self-distribute and self-promote uh, record labels, which I think is a fantastic thing. You know, I think um, there's so much music out there that you know, the more the more people that do this this kind of thing, the better. I think I think possibly the market can get saturated to a, to a degree. Um, which will remain to be seen. Um, but yeah, it seems like there's an incredible hunger and, and desire for 
so many different kinds of music from all over the world and you know we're already moving into people doing compilations of music from 15 years ago when I started the label you know um, mm. and uh, you know 90s music and music from the early 2000s and I'm sure there's tons of music being made now that will not be that will that will die a pretty quick death or it won't get heard properly and in 20 years time people will be doing compilations of it from 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 everywhere um, yeah all that all that stuff from the 90s and 2000s that uh, to to you or i probably doesn't seem that far away is now slowly getting older and older <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and now we've got this whole kind of you know the ease with which people can make music digitally it doesn't even make it onto a tape or a or a vinyl record or or, or a cd it's just you know, people will be digging through hard drives in 20 years' time. Uh, yeah, people will just be trading obscure MP3s at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know. um, okay, so tell me a little bit now about the more contemporary side of the label, because I know that you guys have been uh, uh, ramping up with a lot of newer original releases from uh, a lot of up-and-coming artists. You know, it seems like you guys have kind of built the record label on you know sort of this one idea of obscuring all of, the, of, of unearthing all of these obscure gems from across the world but now you're kind of using the fan base you've built to put on some other artists who you know are maybe either a little pre-established or you know you're kind of a, giving them a home that they wouldn't have had otherwise on the label yeah well um i mean for starters i think that personally i think right now is one of the most exciting times in music uh, 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 because of a lot of what we've spoken about so far i think that there's i think the musicians are so they're so musically mature and aware because of all this you know all this um movement of music and and the consumption of music and so i think uh, it's there's just so many great bands out there at the moment um, that I got to a point where I started hearing records that were you know brand new recordings that I was like I really should be putting some of this stuff out and and I had a realization that a lot of the bands that were on our compilations or a lot of the recordings that were on our compilations quite often especially in in, in terms of the kind of more progressive African music um, were and some of the more obscure recordings from all over the world were, were, were sort of only there because producers had taken a chance and um, put out records that they, you know, that, that otherwise would never have been would never have been recorded. And for posterity and for you know the continuation of this sort of story of music evolving, I just sort of realized that I really wanted to start putting out contemporary music as well alongside the older stuff mm. um, I, I also kind of came out of a period of just looking and digging and playing and DJing music from a very specific kind of era um, and sort of felt that I wanted to start listening to more contemporary music I'd always listened to all different kinds of music um, my whole sort of child, my whole sort of teenage years and, and 20s and then sort of went into this kind of wormhole of 1970s tropical music and came out thinking, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'd like to start listening to, to 
to more to expanding my horizons and so um yeah and also people would starting to send me amazing demos and and recordings that i i just thought you know i'd like to do this and move the label into it now that we have a kind of audience and we have people's ears um it would be almost a, you know, it would always be a missed opportunity not to start um, hitting them with other stuff and, and to pushing them into slightly different directions. And um, and especially when some of the bands have kind of specifically told me that they've been influenced by the compilations that we've been put out. That we yeah, absolutely. Out. You guys have been dropping compilations for so long that there have yeah. to be artists out there making new music that are taking inspiration from it. Yeah, so, you know, I, to me, it's a pretty logical progression. And um, it's certainly tougher in some ways. Uh, some records are a lot tougher and, and less a band can tour uh, and get into certain markets or get out of their home market. It's it's hard to sell records as internationally as something like a compilation of classic 60s and 70s recordings. But, um, uh, you know, I'm... I, 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 other bands like for instance under tropica that record the under tropica record that's the best-selling record on on soundway period like it's outsold Mm. outsold all of our compilations um and is a contemporary record you know it has its it's has its its feet firmly in a specific era but it, it is a contemporary record um yeah and so yeah you know it's um for me, it's it's as a record label, it's it's a natural progression, and, and and the two sit side by side quite quite well. They're very it's 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 they're different they're different beasts in terms of how you go about trying to uh, market them and and promote them. But um, yeah, um, you know, just to kind of get into a few of these groups that you guys are uh, uh, contemporary groups that you guys are releasing music with. Um, you know, namely a group like uh, Meridian Brothers. I mean, they're a group that, like Ondotropica, th- their feet are placed firmly within a certain type of music that comes from a certain era, but it it doesn't really just have the contemporary vibe to it like the Ondotropica record does. It's also, in a lot of ways, kind of wildly experimental. Yeah. Well, you know, they're a unique band, you know. They, yeah. They sound like no one else, and I'm pretty sure no one else will ever sound like them. And so, mm. you know, when I get sent something like that, I'm like, how can I not put this out? It's, you know, even if only, uh, and when sometimes you get records and you think, is there a market for this? Is there an audience for this? But, you know, they're a great case in point. When I first signed them and I put their first record out, I was a little bit kind of, oh, you know, I, I, I know these guys are great live and they have a live scene in Bogota and they have, you know, but they've totally exceeded expectations. People love the fact that they're so out there and so um, so wild and so experimental. And, and I mean, support. it sounds like one of the stranger obscurities that would make it on one of your compilations, except it's happening now. <laughs> it's happening now, exactly, yeah. Um, and if those records hadn't been put out, I put, you know, I think the world would be a, you know, would be a... <laughs> Uh, a slightly less uh, a slightly less musically rich place and you know that's the case for every record that everybody puts out you know but mm. these days it's very easy for things to disappear onto you know just by getting put out on digital formats or something and so to actually be able to put things out on vinyl and and know that they'll you know they'll be there physically um, forever is 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 a great feeling 
And another group I definitely want to mention uh, before I ask you a couple more questions about Ondotropica uh, is uh, the, this other group. Tell me if I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Uh, Fuma Capretta? Fumasa Preta, yeah. Amazing. Fumasa Preta, okay. They're like this wild Latin psych rock group. <laughs> and the yeah. recordings are pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I just, they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're a, a band that, um, yeah, like you say, they, they started off being very sort of influenced by psychedelic rock from Brazil. Uh, the first mm. record had a, a guy called Joel Stone's um, on vocals, who is a Brazilian guy that runs a record store in uh, in, um, in the USA, plus a guy called Alex Figuera, who's from Venezuela on drums, and a couple of English guys on uh, bass and guitar, um, who have been in funk bands for 20 years. So the, 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 they're a very diverse band who kind of reflects what I'm talking about, really. Lots of different strands and elements, but they've come together to make something that on first listens sort of sounds kind of, yeah, right, okay, I can, I can hear some of those influences of 1970s psychedelic rock. But then in other areas, they're doing, you know, they're like mixing Funana drums from Cabo Verde or like 808 sort of, or 303 acids kind of squelchy stuff that from you know from a sort of acid house influence and so all these different influences and then recorded in a very sort of garage diy garage rock style in in alex's studio in in amsterdam um and they're an amazing live band yeah they're just total son of kind of you know, punk rockers who happen to to sing in in Portuguese and Spanish, but who listen to all kinds of music. You know, um, mm. and that's very much kind of the raison d'etre of the contemporary sort of side of Soundway, I guess. You know, sort of this this sort of mixed up. You know, from all over the place. Another of our bands is Bibio Sound Machine, who are like a kind of. Um, they're a band based in London. The lead singer, Eno Williams, is of Nigerian heritage, but brought up here. She, her, her native tongue is a language called Ibibio from, from, from Nigeria. So she's on vocals. Then there's um, uh, a guy called Alfred Bannerman, who's a Ghanaian guitarist who I'd worked with on some of the old Ghanaian material that we'd reissued. Uh, the percussionist is from Brazil. The drummer has Trinidadian roots. The horns guys are from England and Australia. Then there's another band called Family Atlantica, who, like, the lead singer is Venezuelan. Uh, the, there's guys from Ghana, Nigeria, all different. You know, this this is kind of the world that we live in if you grow up in 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 a Western city in 2016. And that's, that's kind of, you know... Um, uh, you know, these records just reflect our culture. Hmm. All right. And to, uh, to, to end things off, um, you know, can you tell us much information about this upcoming Ondotropico record? You know, a lot of people listening to this podcast and uh, watching this YouTube channel should be familiar with uh, their debut album and the project because, uh, you know, I did give it such a glowing review when it came out. It was one of my favorite albums of that year when it dropped. Uh, it's definitely my favorite of the contemporary releases uh, that you guys have put out. Yeah. Um, you know, what's uh, going on with the latest record? Uh, I know okay. they did an Indiegogo campaign that was semi-successful. Yeah, well, um, so... Um 
well, firstly, Will and Mario had uh, raised some of the money to do the um, the recording down in in Colombia. Um, firstly, thank you to everybody who helped those guys get get their money and. Don't worry, your records will be coming soon, and you will be, you will be at the front of the queue. I believe me. We've just been talking about that this weekend with Will, Will Quantic. Um, the record is a slight. It's it, it's very much um, an Onda Tropica record, but it's a it's a slight change of direction in that. Um, whereas the first one was uh, a very ambitious project with forty four musicians that was funded by the British Council. Uh, and recorded at Discos Fuentes, the kind of legendary studio in uh, Medellin in, in, in Colombia. Uh, this one was recorded in Bogota and in uh, the, island of, the islands of Providencia. Um, now, Providencia, the islands of Providencia are um, uh, a group of islands off quite a long way off the coast of Colombia that are politically and you know owned by Colombia but uh, the culture there is very different in that it's English speaking uh, and it is almost close it's, it's kind of has more in common with Jamaica and um, and Trinidad in that it has a kind of Calypso um, Calypso and kind of reggae soca kind of um, element you know it's 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 more because of the anglo uh, the english speaking nature of the islands it's it's more related to those those cultures hmm. so it's this record has a, a dual side to it it has the half of the record recorded in bogota that is uh, kind of classically on the tropica and related to all the sort of um the the more latinesque cumbia and pacifica music uh, styles from from colombia and then it has this kind of calypso reggae island side to it as well so a lot of the musicians from the Colombia mainland went over and then they recorded with some with some vocalists and musicians there so it's a great record it's it's um yeah it's been it's been a while coming but it's all mixed and ready to go it's going to be out uh, at the end of January next year and um yeah I don't think people are going to be disappointed it's it's beautifully mixed it's got that kind of depth of of sound and um, yeah, it's it's a fantastic record. So we're working hard on that at the moment, just getting the artwork together and the videos and planning tours in North America and Europe. Um, and there's also going to be a whole. Um, they've also made a whole dub um, dub album of uh, of uh, versions of some of the uh, of some of the <laughs> tracks as well which we're going to be following up with later in the year next year so yeah we'll be we'll be releasing kind of more information about it as the year goes on um and uh yeah watch this space okay great man uh i want to thank my guest miles clary of soundway records for coming on and talking about his record label and his experiences and releasing music from all over the world uh i appreciate you taking the time man no worries Anthony. it was a pleasure <laughs>